As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a special Thanksgiving episode of Sift Pop. Going to do a little swift sift today, so not a full episode. But I had a couple things we wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, Andrew is joining me, came back to the podcast. Ahoy, happy turkey day. Last week, kind of tested out, see how things are going. Uh, we talked in the podcast a little bit, uh, Andrew. I know you thanked people for support and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, um, and it's certainly great to have you back. But you talked a, a little bit about the reasons, uh, you know, for disappearing, for kind of stepping away, for um, kind of what what you're going through. But I wondered if you wanted to just chat a little bit about that. And then after we kind of chat a little about that, maybe we'll talk about Coco a little bit if we've got some time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just so there's a little bit of movie review in there. Um, but yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll start here. Just tell us, you know, the story. Tell us your story. So you know that I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. I've had panic attacks on the show before, and I've kind of tried to hide it in the background. Like, I'd be freaking out while you and Danae would be talking about something, and yeah, then whenever I'll... it was my turn to talk, I'd just walk up to the mic and say something. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, the first time I was aware of it was uh, a day you had talked about you're being low on your medication. Yeah. And you you did like you left the room on occasion to yeah. you know get out of the room and you'd come back in and and those kind of things. So that's when I became aware of it. And then then I was more aware of you know moments where you needed to stand up or you needed to open a door or those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, for you know the panic attack or anxiety attacks or whatever. Yeah. So from everybody's, if you have panic attack or anxiety, it can manifest in different ways. For me, it's uh, my heart would race, and um, the way, you know, like, your brain can focus on one thing at a time, you just process it, and it moves on. Whenever I have an anxiety attack, my mind gets flooded with so many thoughts, it can't latch on to one thing, so it gets overwhelmed, and it tries to pick something and hold on to it, but whenever I do that, it gets flooded with other things bashing it out of the way, mm. and you just... Initially, you just freak out. You're like, I don't know what's going on, why this is happening, stuff like that. So do you kind of feel a, 
like like a battle going on in your head and, yeah and there's is there like a helplessness to it in some ways Very where it's like so. i don't know how to win this battle i don't know how to exactly keep my brain from fighting against me that kind of thing and you know, in the at the same time uh this is before it altered which i'm going to get to in a second mm-hmm. but um you you have like repeating thoughts that come into your head like for a lot of people if you're having a panic attack you're thinking this panic attack's going to kill you you're you're about to die. It's going to be awful. And you look up stuff like nobody's ever died from a panic attack. You know, right. you just freak out and until it's over with. For me, it's it it's like my anxiety and my panic attacks knew that I was trying to overcome it, and then I was kind They're of fighting winning. back. I was fighting yeah. back, and I was realizing, well, no, I'm not going to die from this panic attack because I can't. It's just not possible. It's like it knew what was going on, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but it, it's like it adapted, it evolved, and to try and freak me out some more. So instead of saying uh, a repeating thought in my head, I should say, of mm-hmm. this panic attack is going to kill you, it altered overnight. It wasn't gradual. It was just overnight it switched from saying this panic attack is going to kill you to you're going to kill yourself. Mm. And the first time that happened, I've never been more terrified in my life mm. of because physically I knew that I would be fine from a panic attack but whenever it attacks you mentally all cards are you know yeah. all cards are wild at all, that point all bets are off and it's really terrifying because uh, how am I I'm trying to your subconscious it's like whenever you're having a panic attack, your subconscious becomes an alter ego that you're having a conversation with and they're mm. just berating you with something. Right. So you feel at that moment like, uh, ironically, because we just talked about Justice League, you feel like you're either a baseball player or you're Superman. Mm. Uh, and I'll explain what that means in the fact that uh, Superman is always fighting uh, villains to who are trying to destroy the world. Right. Superman has to bat a thousand. He can't lose because the villains only have to win once, you know? Right. So whenever or a baseball player, you know, they bat a thousand, they never missed. So whenever it altered in my mind, that anxiety of from this panic attack is going to kill you to you're going to kill yourself. It was terrifying because I was thinking, if this is how my panic attacks are going to be for the rest of my life, then I have to bat a thousand in fighting them off. Because they only have to, my mind only has to snap once. Mm-hmm. And that's really what got scary for me. Right. Because I didn't know mentally since it changed how I could cope with it. And that's when I knew I needed to get help. Immediately that night I ran to the ER. They gave me some medication. That medication didn't end up working. So I ended up going back to the hospital, and that's whenever they recommended that I be transferred to a uh, special care facility, and that's where I was for probably about a week, maybe a little over a week. And uh, I learned a lot of great techniques. Um, Starting next month, I will be seeing a psychiatrist who is going to be, you know, working with me more... uh, What am I trying to say? Well, there's there's a practice to it, right? Like, there there certainly has to be... I mean, there are techniques and there are things people can tell you to do, but yeah. y- you have to learn it. You have to have somebody who can help guide you through it. Exactly. I think what I'm trying to say is 
a psychiatrist is more versed in how to deal with such cases as opposed to an ER doctor is, you know, right. or even, even a psychologist, a psychologist is different than a psychiatrist. Exactly. Yeah. So a psychiatrist is, is more, I think, educated to deal with the intricacies of the brain, like the medical intricacies yeah. of the brain, as opposed to just the emotional and psychological needs of human beings. Exactly. And I'm going to be seeing both. I'll be seeing a psychologist and a psychiatrist mm-hmm. because um, this is something that to this day, like I said, I'm not 100%. Even last night, which would be two weeks ago from the day this is out, I didn't know if I'd be able to be on today because the thought of coming back got my anxiety going. Sure. And it's kind of, ever since it changed for me, it's a vicious circle because if my anxiety starts going, then those thoughts will come back. And whenever those thoughts come back, it makes my anxiety that much worse, which in turn brings in those thoughts more prominently and it just builds on itself. And I text you at like midnight, I'm like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it tomorrow. And uh, the reason why I did that is... I was hoping that it would like kind of calm me down, like, okay, I don't have to worry about going tomorrow. Right. And then it calmed me down, and when I woke up the next morning, that's when I took my medication, and I was like, all right, yeah, I can do this. So I wonder what your process was. And, and by the way, with all of this, obviously, you can be as honest and transparent as you want to be. You do not, like, I, I, I don't want you to feel forced to share anything you don't want oh, to share. I hope that you don't feel like I was like, oh, he wants me to talk about it. No, 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 I, no, no, I'm, no. I'm I, open to sharing all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, no, that's, I, 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 you know, I've always felt like you uh, have been open to and in, in some ways wanted to, you know, have this conversation because it might be helpful for people. And that's the main thing why I'm sharing today is if this story can have somebody go, oh, okay, so there's somebody else out there who's dealing with sort of the same things I am and this story can give you strength that you can get help, that would mean the world to me. Yeah. So. Well, th- tell us about, I mean, the strength to get help. Like, was it just immediately you knew and there wasn't even a like a struggle with that? Because I've heard other people talk about the struggle to ask for help. Was yeah. there any struggle for you? Um, there was a struggle of where to get help. Okay. Uh, it was, I was, because I knew uh, whenever it changed that night, I was like, um, I can't be alone right now. If I'm alone, then I am... Don't want to be alone with my brain doing what it's doing to exactly. me right now. Yeah. So if I'm with somebody, they can either calm me down, uh, keep me safe. Mm-hmm. And so I was deciding, do I need to go to the hospital? Do I need to go to a family member? Do I need to go sure. to a friend? And I ultimately ended up on a hospital because... Not, not that I don't think that my family or a friend would be able to help me. It's just that I thought... The professional care that a hospital could possibly contribute and the knowledge and the because nothing like a family can be like, you're here, you're going to be fine, you're going to be fine. There's no long term solution that they potentially could provide, whereas a hospital could be like, once you're done here today, you could do this, you could do this, you could talk to this person, they'll be able to give you the steps to make all this better. So that's why I ultimately ended up on a hospital. Do you have a positive relationship overall with the medical field? Like you mentioned you were on medications even before like the shift happened. Mm -hmm. Like how has that process been for you through your entire life? Well, I've actually worked in the medical field like for work. So I, uh, I worked at a hospital for about seven years. So I understand, uh, like whenever I'm in an ER and like I'm waiting forever, I, 
just my knowledge of being there, like, okay, well, it's this time at night, so there's only this section of the hospital that's open. Right. So <clears throat> that won't, in the end, create more anxiety just because of my knowledge of, like, how the intricacies, not all the intricacies, obviously, but most of them function in a hospital. So be sure. like, that's not going to freak me out. If I tell this person this, they'll be able to uh, give notes to this doctor or they'll be able to... So that knowledge, I guess, was another reason why I'd be like, okay, I have a, a pretty good idea. If I go here, these specific people will be able to give me aid. So, um, when When was the first time that you asked for help, like that you got medicine for your anxiety? Uh, I was very young, probably five or six. Okay. So yeah. that would have been a parental decision then even yes. more than a decision of yours. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like, you know, uh, do you, do you feel like you wish it would have been your decision or? No. Um, they, uh, I, because I was all on board for getting help because even growing up, it was, even younger, it was different. Uh, younger, my panic attacks would uh, not bring on thoughts of death. They would bring on thoughts of sickness. Mm. Um, and I would get sick. Like, uh, my anxiety would rise. I would begin to vomit and shake Almost like and shiver. A, like a self-fulfilling hypochondria. Like a psychosomatic okay. sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe that was why initially, whenever I turn into a teenager and these thoughts of the panic attacks going to kill you, maybe that psychosomatic thought in my head like well it worked when i was a kid and it made me sick maybe it oh, can right. happen yeah, here yeah. so you know there's a power there the body can change things exactly yeah. so maybe that uh i'm just guessing here obviously sure. but um so yeah i remember whenever i was a kid i couldn't go outside i couldn't do a lot of things um whenever i'd have a birthday party i'd have a bunch of people over and i'd have to hide in my room with my mom and then all the other kids would go play putt-putt without me like, I'd invite people over because I'm like, well, maybe I'll make it through today. Mm, you know? Yeah. And then I couldn't. And then all these kids would leave. And it was just a terrible childhood from that perspective of not being able to enjoy life the way other people do. Sure. So, like, I couldn't go to the movies when I was a kid. I would get sick. Um, I would just constantly... It was really rough when I was... I think it was... It, it's, it wasn't as terrifying as it is now with these thoughts and stuff, but... From like a coming of age, like trying to find your place in the world and not being able to connect with people because of that, that was probably the most difficult part of my childhood. When did when did it become your decision to keep taking the medication to keep seeking help? Um, well, I'd always discussed with my I've always been open with my family about this, and I've always felt comfortable talking to them about this. That way, in case something ever happened, I wouldn't feel ashamed of bringing it up to them. Mm -hmm. So whenever, like whenever I was a teenager and I'm like, yeah, this isn't good. This isn't good. I'd be open. like, mom, I, this is happening. I don't know what to do. Do you think I should go talk to somebody? And she'd always say, if you want, we can do that. But if you'd like, we can talk about it now, see if we can work it out here. And if you feel like you're not making progress here, then we will just go to the hospital, talk to a professional. And, uh, my family has been like the best part very cool of, of going through this can you imagine i mean there's so many people that don't even have that family support yeah you know that that have parents who might be judgmental or not believe them or say just get over it or you know just think happy thoughts andrew just think happy thoughts exactly <laughs> the dismissiveness is something i've never had to deal with because right but the thought of that i could 
I could definitely see being just as traumatic as, you know, these thoughts of this is going to kill you and you bring that on and nobody cares, you know, that's... Or doesn't believe you. Or doesn't believe you. And it would probably make you question yourself too because you need uh, affirmation every now and then from others to really make you think about like, whoa, okay, so if they believe me, then I know it's obviously it is in your head, you know, it's, but like, I'm the but feeling it's real. Of, it's real. Right. Exactly. So, uh, to those people who don't have that support group, I would say, make that a priority. Make getting to help put, from, to find people to around find you. People mm. who not only understand, you know, you don't have to go to, a support group would be great, but just a friend who's like, if you ever need to talk, just somebody who's that alone can be just as powerful as medication for some people. Mm-hmm. So I would make that priority number one. And if that's still not enough, then definitely talk to a professional. But never stop looking for help. That's I think that's the most solid thing I'm hearing from you through all this is always ask for help. Keep asking for yeah. help. Don't ever stop asking for help. Always find help. I think that's that's really valuable. I, it's valuable all throughout our lives, whether it be an anxiety issue or, uh, you know, whatever you're going through. Yeah. Find a community that's that believes in you and wants to help you and can be a positive yeah. help in your life. And don't uh, be afraid to take steps uh, for safety. Because uh, whenever those thoughts initially started happening of you're going to kill yourself, I took steps to help prevent that. All the sharp objects in my apartment are gone. I don't have anything. I don't have anything to like cook cook with, like anything <laughs> sharp. I don't have knives or anything like that. It's all out of my apartment, so I can only eat specific foods that don't require cutting and stuff like that. But whenever I have those thoughts come on, like you're going to kill yourself, I can just kind of reshoot with what there's nothing here. Now it's kind of a, it create a safe space for yourself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it helps. It really does. Because I remember whenever I didn't create that safe space for myself, I'm like, yeah, there's literally danger all around me right now. But if you created a safe space for yourself, you're like, all right. Yeah. I'm having those thoughts, but I know that I can safely ride this out until, so, and it, it, it is it's honestly made it a lot easier for me to, and also another thing is I got a dog. Yeah. Who, um, Tell us about Roland. Roland is the goofiest little guy on the planet, <laughs> and he really does, people, I cannot, that's another thing. Um, if you can't get a, a support person, a support animal is just as good because he will love you unquestionably if you just need somebody or something to hold on to, just my dog will just curl up in my lap and I can just give him a hug and he will just sit there and it just help, you know, calm me down. He's sure. so, I love that guy so much. He's so good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk at all about the difficulty of stepping away from YouTube, the podcast, the, yeah, I mean yeah. that it seems like that would be a very difficult decision. I just wonder how you processed all that. And well, what happened is, uh, a part of the YouTube, uh, channel that I I created uh, Flick Freaks was we did reaction videos mm-hmm. and uh, we were doing a reaction video to the newest episode of Game of Thrones and where we'd uh, watch it and then we'd know ooh look at that cool and then we'd break down the episode afterwards like our expectations moving forward and stuff like sure, that yeah, yeah. so we posted a video one night and I can't remember what episode it was I think it was 
I- anyway, it was of uh, this newest season. Yeah. And uh, I woke up at three in the morning and I was like, oh, let's just see how the video was doing. And it wasn't doing all that great. It was getting a lot of negative comments and stuff like that. And that is whenever that switch of you're going to, my panic attack kicked in right there. And it, mm. that's when the thoughts of you're going to hurt yourself started popping into my head. And I'm like, whoa, this is different. And I just associated YouTube with a cause of this change. So it wasn't difficult from that perspective of like, if this is the cause, I can easily give it up. There are times when I'm feeling, you know, I like I feel great right now. There are parts of me like, oh man, you should, you had a lot of fun. You made a lot of cool personal relationships. I met you mm-hmm. through, you know, um, and I met Barrett and all those guys through Sif Pop and through YouTube. And I've made many great connections that I hope will go with me throughout the rest of my life. And I can never be thankful enough for that. But at the same time, if it's going to be toxic, if the toxicity outweighs... Um, right. So I had to make a decision, and and YouTube can be an extremely toxic place, incredibly like, toxic. It, it yeah. does it does seem to attract some trolls. Yeah, and I've always been good. I've always had good survival instincts. I think mm-hmm. so. Whenever a decision like, uh, "Are you willing to give this up if it means survival?" I've always been able to go, "Oh yeah, survival is priority number one." Which is ironic whenever you have thoughts of you're going to kill yourself because that's <laughs> right, yeah. anti-survival. Yeah, right. So I think that it's uh, it, it it was painful, but not difficult, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, unless you have anything else, you know, I'll just about re- the story. I'll that- just reiterate once again, if you are going through something similar or if this has made you think differently and you are somebody out there who needs help, I can't stress enough there is no shame in asking for help. And if you're somebody who is close to someone dealing with this kind of stuff and your attitude has been, I don't understand why they just don't start thinking straight. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe you can... Don't be so dismissive. Yeah, don't be dismissive. Uh, understand what's happening is real. Mm-hmm. Um, the psychology of it is real and, uh, you know, be that help for somebody if yeah. you can. And I, you know, for instance, when you were going through even today to come in or not come in, like, I hope, you know, I'm great either way. And I hope that helps I, you I understand. I totally knew. I totally knew. I've known you long enough to know, like on your, and I knew that Barrett was going to be here as well mm-hmm. and everything. But at the same time, it's like, well, I've always liked to be a person of my word is another thing as well. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I told Aaron I was going to be in, so I'd <laughs> like to follow up on that. But at the same time, if I couldn't make it in, I wasn't worried about you right. not being able to do it. Right. So um, another, uh, one more thing is for people who know somebody and also somebody who is struggling with this. Another thing besides finding help is patience. I've dealt with this for almost 30 years now, mm-hmm. and it's still here. So don't feel like if you're not making progress that it's not the end of the world. This could potentially be something that you struggle with with the rest of your life. That doesn't make it a bad thing. We've also talked about in uh, last week's pre-show, if you didn't listen to that, go to siphop.com and uh, become a (laughs) subscriber on Patreon. Listen to that. But patience is something else that you should really focus on because just because you're not making progress doesn't mean that or you don't think you're making progress doesn't mean that you aren't. Right. It can be a long, hard struggle, but what was the thing I said? That the struggles you go through help define you and how you deal with those struggles. Yeah. So 
it can honestly, ironically, I guess, make you a better person going through all this because you find something within yourself you may not know was there. And it can lead to being a better person to other people too. Yeah. So. What I hear you saying is keep fighting and mm-hmm. keep and keep asking people to fight with you. Yes. Keep asking for help on the on the fight. Yes. So um no, I think that's those are both wonderful things to uh to let people know to do. So and thanks I wanna, for being so open and honest. I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be and I like I've said this a thousand times. I hope that this has helped somebody. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I'm I totally appreciate your transparency on that. Yeah. You want to talk about Coco a little bit before we finish out? I know I'm not supposed to love music. No music. No music. <laughs> but my great grandma Coco's father was the greatest musician of all time. Papa. Ernesto de la Cruz. One day, he left with his guitar and never returned. No, my family thinks music is a curse. Great-great-grandfather, none of them understand me. I'm supposed to play music. All right, who's in there? I'm sorry. I got a lot of questions about Coco. All right, why don't, you, you... why don't you interview me about Coco? Yeah, so Aaron, uh, yes, or it was yesterday for when we're recording this. Yeah, or two days, two it. days ago, mm-hmm. I guess, that you saw Coco, which is the newest Pixar movie. Uh, before we get into the questions, do you want to give everybody just a general a plot summary of what the movie's about? So Coco is takes place in Mexico. It's a kid named Miguel, and so his extended family all lives with him, and and they're celebrating the Day of the Dead. And I don't know if I want to go much beyond that. I haven't watched the trailers. I don't know how much the trailers give away, other than mm-hmm. to say he's dealing with a deeper understanding of what the Day of the Dead means, what it means to honor his dead relatives, uh, and his own personal story. I guess this is this is primary plot stuff. He is in a family where music has been forbidden based on something that happened in the family's history. And so it's oh. him kind of coming to terms with what that means is somebody who he's secretly found a love for music. He's secretly found a love for playing guitar and kind of how to uh, how he deals with that. And then also with the Day of the Dead stuff. So without giving a lot away, I think that's kind of the basics of the plot. Yeah. Uh, Pixar has been pretty good of making their movies a lot really diverse. Like one movie doesn't really feel like another one. But from what I've seen from the trailers, this feels like it has the potential to be the most unique movie Pixar has ever made. Would you kind of... It certainly feels that? like the most culturally distinctive, other than maybe Brave. Brave was very culturally distinctive as well. Okay. Um, but this feels even more so. Um, you know, the the entire cast is, uh, you know, Hispanic heritage, many of them Mexican. Yeah. The kid that they got to play, Miguel, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Gonzalez, is, I think, is his name. And he was actually uh, just somebody they asked to record the scratch track for when they were doing the storyboards. Oh, that's cool. And they were like, you know what? We can't imagine anybody else being this character now. And so they asked him if he would be the star of a Pixar movie. Can you imagine? That's phenomenal. It's just like, uh, you know, from just ha- hanging out and helping to actually being the star. So, But he's great. He does a great job. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's very culturally authentic. I feel like I learned a lot about what the Day of the Dead means mm-hmm. to that culture. Um, uh, more, even more about kind of the um, the mythology behind it, mm-hmm. which I find very interesting. You know, I come from a Christian uh, background that has a much different mythology to the afterlife and those kind of things than this. 
this idea of what the afterlife would be like. So it's really interesting for me to explore that, to see that and to, um, to see a, a like a true look at kind of how they view things. So, yeah. and I, there's some real meaning in the way they view the afterlife. Like that's the other thing Pixar always does so well is with the emotion and the meaning. And there's some yeah. really beautiful thematic stuff about how they see the afterlife that I think is, is really neat. Fantastic. I probably should have led off with this question, but a general yay, nay. Oh, loved, loved it. it. Loved, loved it. it. Loved it. Loved it. It, it is, it is, um, I think I have it at number nine of the Pixar movies, either number eight or number wow. nine. Has which it, is, has which it is, become your number one movie of the year then? Yeah. Yeah. It is my, it is my favorite movie That's of this year. Phenomenal. Um, but well, let me think about, yeah. I mean, it, there's a couple that, that might be close with it. Baywatch. Um, Baywatch, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, no, um, <laughs> what, uh, 2049. I really like yeah, Blade Runner uh, still my number one Logan lucky. Year. I really loved. So there are a lot of that are up there for me, but, um, but the fact that you hold it in such high regard as a top 10 Pixar movie, yeah. Pixar is no slouch whenever it comes to making Titan films that are accessible to all ages. And that maybe that could be a good segue into another part of this. As this film deals a lot with death, do you still feel that this is a Pixar movie that can be accessible to people of all ages? I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure. Um I think so. It's certainly fun. Like I think kids are going to have a blast. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, some great side characters that are hilarious. There's a dog that is absolutely wonderful is a great character. Um, so I, there's a lot of fun to be had and it's Mm -hmm. certainly gorgeous to look at. I don't know that kids are going to connect to the story as deeply as adults will, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I don't think it's completely above them to think about what it means to remember your heritage, to remember your past. Cause that's, that's the overall theme is, uh, about honoring and remembering what's come before us uh, and understanding it. So I I, I think kids, I think, I, I don't know. Like I said, I really don't know, but I think that they, they will have a good time. So a couple years ago, Guillermo del Toro made a movie called The Book of Life. Love The Book of Life, yeah. Um, is there any kind of, like, does it feel similar or does this feel like its own movie? It's, or it's the, totally its own movie. It, it feels similar only in that they both deal the with cultural the, the cultural stuff. Yeah. Okay. But no, it's completely its own thing. All right. So, and it's a lot. It, well, it's interesting. It, it is kind of goofy at parts. But I was going to say it's a lot less goofy than the Book of Life. The Book of Life has a a real goofy sense of humor that is throughout. This feels yeah. a, a little more solid to me. Like it's there's some goofiness in it, but it feels structurally like it has more of a serious foundation. Um, but, a lot of Pixar, every Pixar movie, I should say, has an overarching theme of like finding your true self or overcoming fears like mm-hmm. in the good dice. No, no. Um, uh, <laughs> Do we, you want to re-legislate that argument? Yeah. Um, without getting into spoilers, can you talk about the overarching theme in this one or would it give too much away? I don't think it would give too much away. Uh, I mean, I kind of just mentioned it, which is it has to do with, you know, remembering the past, honoring the past. Mm. Um, it really has to do with family and heritage and uh, how how the past informs us mm-hmm. and how we can learn from that and whether that be to evolve and change or embrace it and continue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all that kind of stuff. Well, you told, you said at the beginning of this, that music is forbidden in this person's family. And yeah. the fact that uh, Latino culture can be very passionate about their music. How is the music in this movie? Is it, I assume there's got to be music in it. Oh, it's so. great. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, it's great, and it's very culturally appropriate. And 
um no i I absolutely love it yeah is there something in the movie that obviously without spoilers that you think people who go into this would not expect that would be pleasantly surprised by or so my only thing that i can think of as a negative and it wasn't really a negative for me but there is a major plot point that is presented as an information reveal that i think is fairly predictable um that i think you know right at least I felt like I knew right from the beginning, but it didn't bother me that much because the movie is still telling the story in a way that I understand the importance of when they reveal that information. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, beyond that one, yes, there are several other moments where I, I thought some of the the information and the surprises were clever and interesting. So, yeah. Well, good. Anything else you'd like to add about it? Um, it's awesome. I mean, I'm a Pixar guy. It's right at the board, like my list of Pixar movies currently in, has uh eight a plus movies and then like another you know seven or eight a movies it's right at that cutoff where it could either be an a or an a plus and i gave it an a but it, it was really close to an a plus for me i i i the emotion is just like there's this moment i, I don't i don't think this gives anything away but towards the end there's a beautiful emotional moment and pixar has this way of just living in that moment where in other cases it almost might feel like too much, but it feels perfect in in that moment to just kind of sit there and exist in it. And I just I thought it was beautiful. So this could be an overarching, just overall Pixar question as opposed to just mm-hmm. a, uh, this particular movie. But what is it about Pixar that makes it so accessible to people of all cultures and ages? Like a lot of other animated films don't do that. They're either you know, made directly for adults or directly for children. There's something about Pixar that is just universally accessible. I think it's two things. By the way, I love this Besides format. Bradford. I love this Andrew interver- <laughs> interviews Aaron about the movie format. It's one of my favorite things ever. Um, <laughs> I, no, it's it's one of two things, I think, um, or both things, actually. It is a commitment beyond commitment to telling good stories. Mm-hmm. So they're very intentional about their storytelling. Like, I don't know if you've seen, like, the Pixar's rules of storytelling. No, or no. The, the, okay, so, yeah, look it up at some point. It's probably an image going around somewhere. And there's, like... Mom has to die is probably rule number one. <laughs> there's, like, 20... I can't remember. Somewhere between 20 and 40 rules okay. that they go by. Like, this is this is how you can create a good story and so they really do understand what how how you own an audience how you tell them keep them uh, engaged and also a commitment to really waiting until they've got it before they give it so they don't rush things they don't put like uh they had a movie in development called newt uh, oh yeah, and it never came out because they just never could actually find it. Um, I think wasn't that the story with Inside Out? It was like in limbo for a very long time. Inside Out's a great example. In fact, Inside Out was one of the stories that Pete Doctor pitched in that infamous early Pixar pitch meeting that that uh, Monsters Inc. grew out of, Toy Story grew out of, like all those early hits grew out of this meeting, and one of them was Inside Out, and they were just like, "Yeah, that's the one we actually could never do." <laughs> like, and then there's they no possible way to do it. And they waited, and they lived in it, and Pete Doctor lived in it, and eventually was like, you know, what a, you figured it out, figured out how to get it on screen, and so yeah. The fact that you say that they have twenty or forty rules that they have to follow 
to, you know, make the style of movie that they make. And yet everyone can still feel so different from the right. next one. Yeah. Just makes it that much more impressive to me that they're able to pull that kind of stuff off. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful way of understanding how structure is what gives freedom to art. Like it, you would think no structure would be the best art, you know, like yeah. and you can do anything and be creative. But actually structure is where often the best art comes from mm -hmm. because you have to be even more creative inside that structure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's part of it. This isn't really the same, but I believe Ridley Scott says that whenever he makes a movie, he will, whenever he's on the editing bay, he will always cut his favorite scene from the movie that way it's easier for him to cut other scenes. Cut other scenes. Yeah. And uh, a lot of uh, people who make films, like I prefer a small budget on a film because it forces me to be creative mm -hmm. in some aspects. So hearing that and the fact that they have these rules and stuff, like I, I can't really think of too many movies that Pixar has made that have not been phenomenal. There's one. The Cars, Cars, 2. Cars 2 is the one that I would say is actually the only mediocre to bad film that they've made yeah um the even stuff like uh cars three which isn't great or good dinosaur is another one uh, some yeah. people even mention brave in this in this uh category um even those are really good movies yeah. they're just not pixar level good yeah. movies that we think about pixar has their own scale <laughs> right. whenever yeah, it exactly. comes to uh, you know judging yeah, those criteria are c, those are c movies for pixar but probably b b pluses for you know other people so. yeah i'm i'm not i've always i've been really excited about seeing uh coco this has just amplified all not my expectations but my excitement to see it i hope so. you love it i you know a lot of times i wonder if it's my bias coming through yeah. i want to love it so much and so but the um person i went with well you know sean sean yeah, went, yeah. sean with me he loved it. he was like over the moon for it so i really think there's something special there yeah and also with pixar movies we have a pretty high bar and a standard and expectation for these movies and the fact that they can reach it and you know propel go beyond it too is it, it really reminds me of the the other thing i guess i would mention is it's the last original movie on their docket they don't have any other announced original movies right now all sequels so it's all sequels until at least 2020 which is kind of wow. sad to me so um because man there's something about a good pixar original that, yeah. that i love but again probably comes from if they don't got it they're not going to put it out there. They're not going to rush it just because they need to get an original movie out there. So, more power to them. They're yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope they have great stories for Incredibles two and for Toy Story four because yeah. that's what's up next. So. And uh, Wreck It Ralph two and all those. Well, that's not Pixar. That's oh yeah, Disney. that's that's a mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, those are Disney films. But John Lasseter has made that transition into overseeing all of them. Yeah. So even the Disney movies now are are really playing by a lot of those same. That's why you're seeing so many great Disney movies come out now now too. Like. Uh, Big Hero 6 or Wreck-It Ralph or yeah. just great stuff. I always have a difficult time, you know, distincting or distinguishing between mm -hmm. Pixar and Disney just because Disney has adopted that stylization. Yeah. And, you know, since it's a parent company, it kind of shares that kind of story-telling style of being so accessible to everybody that I just kind of, you know, like, oh, well, it's, it's that kind of, it's Pixar then. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's that's understandable especially with Lasseter taking over the whole thing yeah but yeah no huge high recommend for me thank you Not for uh, answering all my questions <laughs> you've been a great interviewer well thank Andrew. you <laughs> thank you for interviewing thanks for checking out the episode guys uh, a little bit of 
swift sift for you over your Thanksgiving. Hope you have a wonderful, have had, I guess this will come out on Black Friday, so I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, have plenty of turkey left over in the fridge and uh, have gotten a great deal on a 4K TV. Shop safe. (laughs) Shop safe. Wait for Cyber Monday. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.